This is a pretty short episode of EXO, it's just a couple little segments, but uh, this first one is, there's a games journalist named Justin McElroy who does uh, a podcast called The Besties with his brother Griffin, and they were talking about their favorite memories from the previous generation of video games, like the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 era. And it's a, it's a really nice story, so I want to start with that. Weirdly, my best memory of this generation is is actually pretty early. Um, the year would have been 2006. I was working at a uh, a newspaper in the south of Ohio called the Ironton Tribune, and wasn't writing about games. Uh, wasn't wasn't doing any of that. As it happened, sort of by happenstance, I didn't have a 360 yet, and um, on the uh, year anniversary of the day uh, our Griffin and Mai's mom passed away, it was a year to the day, it was May 21st, 2006, we said we were all sitting around my apartment, which was pretty close to the house at the time, and sort of spur of the moment decided that, you know what, we're going to go buy an Xbox 360. And we spent the rest of that day um, playing with everything and, and, and goofing around on it and distracting ourselves and, 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 you know, trying out whatever games we had lying around. I think putting in Xbox One ga- or original Xbox games to see if they work.
two months after that, I was supposed to uh, to get married July 1st of 2006. And my wife and I were going to move out of the the our respective places and move into you know a new house together. And the month before the wedding, we our lease our our lease expired at our old place. So we decided that for that month, we would uh, live you know separately until we moved in together. So for a month between uh, uh, the month of June in 2006, which was right after I got the 360, I played an amount of Elder Scrolls Oblivion uh, with my with my with my brothers there. Uh, I think we were swapping controller and, and 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 each having our own campaign. But that month, we had like turned our dining room into uh, basically just a cave where. Uh, us three and our dad like were taking turns playing through Skyrim. Yeah, or sorry, Oblivion. Each of us with our own character, you know, uh, our own approach to it. But for a month, we basically just locked ourselves in in this like in this world, and it was um, still kind of a weird transitional period for for us as as a family, I guess. Uh, still kind of figuring things out, and it was right before I was sort of you know gonna start this whole new thing but for a month we did nothing but play oblivion and uh i cite it pretty frequently as like my favorite game ever and i think it's because of that like for a month i was not able i was not only able to sort of lose myself in this huge vast world that absolutely would not have been possible on the previous generation of consoles but I was able to to sort of bond with them more over this game and each of us sort of watching each other and, and, and having our own individual experiences. And for me, when I'm thinking about video games now, it's really hard for uh, anything else to, to stack up to that. Um, and because of that, I, that experience, I think, was what galvanized me to want to write about games professionally and less than a year after that I was I was at joystick We have all, all four of us always played games together, I think, coming up. Maybe less now that we, we live in different places, but like, 
and, and sometimes to to a, a negative degree, uh, I remember still the screaming arguments that we had over EverQuest um, because either one of the four of us wanted to play and on the one computer and the like 56k modem or shittier modem that we were running at that time um, or our mom wanted to make a phone call or something like that which was like would kick us right off that period I feel like there wasn't really any of that because that game and that series has always been so good about uh, it really was a different game for all four of us so it could be this communal single player experience where it's like Travis would go through the game stealing every fucking thing that there that there was and dad would play as this huge <laughs> Conan the Barbarian type motherfucker and like you were this this foppish enchanter that could <laughs> solve solve puzzles with magic like I don't know. There really aren't that many game franchises like that that I would like watch somebody else play. Dad, dad was the worst because our dad would systematically pick up everything in a room. Like, no matter how like how dumb or useless it was, like if it was a fork, he picked it up. A plate, he picked it up. He picked up everything in the room, and he would become incredibly encumbered, and then insist on walking to the nearest shop to sell everything. And you would have to watch him like fucking lumber the miles to the nearest shop just so he could sell off and make whatever dumb copper that he was going to make from selling that person's vase. Um, <laughs> I, I think part of it was also the magic of, like like you said, like that there, there weren't that many games when it first launched that you were like, there's no way they could have done this on the original Xbox. But, but even Morrowind like, didn't even come, didn't even fucking come close. Like, it was such a crazy marked improvement. I don't know. It's 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 weird. Not only how things have changed since I started writing about them, but just like I don't know. I'm getting married in a month. Like my gaming time is, and the way that I consume them is less less fanatical. I think. Man, now I want to play Skyrim again. God damn it! <laughs> God damn your happy memories. article about messages that game designers left hidden in the code of their games you know people would get hex editors and stuff and start going through the game code and just find weird messages that people had left in little notes and stuff and this one in particular really stood out to me it was this guy Dan Bunton who was most famous for the game Mule this was a game he did called Modem Wars, and it was such an unusual message because a lot of these messages would be really aggressive, and like these would be old PC games, so they'd say stuff like, hey, if you stole this game, go fuck yourself, you know, and just like weird game design nerd bullshit. But this message was like just so different in tone from everything else that that I found, maybe it was a wiki where these were all posted. I just, I can't remember where I found this originally anymore. 
So I'm going to read this message that uh, Dan Bunton left in his 1988 game, Motomores, and when I looked him up, I mean, it was a, that's like a whole story for like another day where maybe, I mean, it seems like this probably relates to why the tone of this message from him is so different than most 1980s, you know, hidden messages in computer games is that Later in his life, he got a sex change and became Danielle Bunton. And then is maybe the only person I can think of who kind of uh, seemed to regret it. You know, like there's stuff you can find on uh, online about uh, sort of warning people, like before you make such an enormous life change, maybe find other ways to... Uh, express femininity or masculinity without so severely changing your life. I don't know, it's really complicated. I mean, that would be that'd be a whole show by itself, but that is very interesting. And, and then Danielle Bunton died of uh, lung cancer, I think, in 1998. I was surprised by how moving I found this so unexpected. And I got to assume it probably won't seem that way to other people, but uh, I don't know, it kind of hit me, this little, this message in a bottle, this little obscurity hidden inside an obscurity that is just, how could he know this thing would ever live on or be found by anyone, you know, especially so far in the future. And yeah, I just, uh, I just think it's real nice. So here is the hidden message from Dan Bunton. I could try to preach to you about how piracy is wrong and immoral. I doubt I could convince you. I've always been skeptical of people who defend their own interests through morality. Instead, let me tell you some practical things about piracy. I know there's a lot of junk on the market and probably you think we're all getting rich at your expense. I'm sure there are some publishers and authors who are ripping you off. They don't care if you like their product, just that you buy it. But that's not true of me. I've always tried to do original, well-written products with integrity and would gladly refund your money if you are dissatisfied. However, since I only get a dollar or two from each purchase, most of your money is in other people's hands. But if you want my part of your money back, just write me at the address below. As for getting rich, it just ain't true in my case. Going broke may be more like it. Of the products I've done in the past, Mule, Seven Cities of Gold, Heart of Africa, and Robot Rascals, only seven cities made any money and Heart of Africa just barely broke even. What this says to my publisher is the market doesn't want multiplayer strategy games, but I don't believe it. For instance, I hear from lots of people how much they played and loved Mule many more than Seven Cities, but the sales don't reflect it. Seven Cities sold five times as many copies. 
The fact that you are digging around on this disc and thinking about how to decode it is proof that the game is fun enough to try to steal it and give it to your friends. Well, if you do steal this game, Electronic Arts will never know that they are wrong. You've got to let them know you want more games like this by voting with your wallet. Also, in that way, you make it possible for me to financially succeed in this business. By the way, since I convinced EA not to copy-protect this software, it's possible to make a sample copy for your friend and just help them identify the map over the phone before you both play each other. If I still haven't convinced you not to pirate this game, then do me the favor of sending me a letter to tell me you liked the game, even though you didn't feel like you ought to pay for it. You might send a copy to EA too. I really do care more about whether people like my stuff than whether I make money. We'll get by somehow. Dan Bunton, Little Rock, Arkansas. Alright, one more little story. This is about a guy named Bob Mackey. So, I graduated from high school in 1997, and man, when I was in high school, I had long hair and a ponytail, I wore a trench coat, I listened to Marilyn Manson at KMFDM, and I hated school. But then I graduated and uh, got it out of my system and moved on, but then two years later, Columbine happened and I was like holy fucking shit man like I fit the that stereotypical profile of the trench coat mafia like to a fucking T like I just imagine 
I was just so glad that I got out of school before that happened, just so I didn't get have have to be like lumped into all that. But this guy, Bob Mackie, was not so lucky. Bob Mackie, the first video game podcast I ever listened to was called Retronauts, and Bob was a guest way back in the day, and then he worked his way into the video game industry, and now he's a regular member of the Retronauts podcast. And it's just uh, it's just so cool to see this guy work his way up the ladder in the video game journalism industry. And he's just like the super nicest guy and just like it's so cool that he's on this podcast that I've loved forever. And he told this story on Retronauts Volume 3, Episode 5 about uh, the history of violence in video games, about his experiences in school after the Columbine shooting. And it's crazy. It's fucking... He doesn't go into like a lot of detail, but I'm sure you can imagine like just what an incredible nightmare this must have been. This was like everything when I would think like, God, I'm glad I wasn't in school. Like the worst case scenario of being witch hunted happened to poor old Bob. So here's the story. You wretched masses and the shit you believe. Always looking for the next big thing So everything's cool, right? ESRB is in place. Um, we have ratings. There's peace in the world until something called the Columbine shooting happens in 1999. Yeah. One of a, a lot of school shootings that happened in this era, and they, I mean they're still happening today. But I think it was the first. I don't want to say the first major one, but maybe one that resonated more with people just because of the sheer body count and the the way it was very easy to, easy to scapegoat the media these kids were listening to. Right. Um, after the fact, it was like, no, what's what's in common with school shooting cases isn't video games. In fact, that's like maybe 19 or 12 percent or something of all school shooters play games. It's more like these people are so depressed that they don't value any life. It's more like depression is the one thing in common. It, it's not Marilyn Manson. It's not doom. It's 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 you know depression and th something that can be treated. Yeah. So because of this. I think gamers sort of uh, were viewed as dangerous for a while. Gamers were sort of being viewed, or at least kids that were different, were being viewed as possible murderers. And uh, this is a true story. I was one of those kids. Uh, I was profiled at my high school, which is a garbage high school. I'll give you the name later. Don't go there. Basically, I was as close to a goth as uh, the school could get, even though I, I listened to video game music and Weezer 
and uh, never had goth things. I was just kind of a weird kid, whatever. Uh, one day I brought a camcorder to school because I had a I had a pen pal and I wanted to make a video about you know goofy stuff because I was a goofy teenager. By the end of the day, apparently I was filming escape routes and I had written kill lists and uh, I was not allowed back in school for a few weeks until wow. everything was sorted Are you out. Serious? Yes, I'm serious. I think this is the wow. first time I've told this story on uh, like in a public setting, but um. Man. Yeah, there were like assemblies about me and stuff, and um, yeah, and basically the school was like, uh, we want the videotape, you have to give us the videotape, as if there was incriminating stuff on it, but it was really me just like, this is a coke machine, this is where coke comes from, like goofy things like that, sure. so um, I was probably one of many kids that were wrapped up in uh, scapegoating, and I think uh, schools are a lot more intelligent about that now, just like, no, that's this is bullying, we need to we need to find these kids that are at risk or in trouble and help them out. But this is more like no, uh, you're going to kill us all. And um, I think yeah. some schools are better at that. I don't think <laughs> yeah. most schools. Well, are. this is a Catholic school. This was Cardinal Mooney uh, High School in Youngstown, Ohio. Never go there. Uh, don't visit and steal from them if you can. I feel like I grew up in a different era than you guys. <laughs> I was, yeah, good lord! I was out of high school by the mid '90s. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, everything was so casual. It's kind of like if you flew before September 11, 2001, mm -hmm. like traveling by air was totally different than it is now. Yeah, yeah. You know, when uh, when I went to visit someone, they could come up to the gate and see me off, like wave to me from the window as I'm on the plane. And then America you lost its innocence. Do that anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same sort of thing. There's all this extreme paranoia because of one terrible incident, um, and you know. Not to not to make light of Columbine or, yeah, yeah. or you know September 11th, but like the the overreaction has has been really disappointing because the the country did used to be so much more I don't know like not reactionary low key yeah yeah, yeah. like people were kind of cool like if you believe your pal Bob Mackie could gun down a school <laughs> that's got to be a, a crazy time to that live that guy really really is outspoken against violence we got to watch out he's got those anime posters in his locker. Dragon Ball Z, is that code for something? But, uh, yeah. Man, I, you know, if I, if I would have sued that school, I would have been fine right now, but... Mm. I would be rolling in dough. What's the statute of limitations? There may be time. Uh, I should. You know, Catholics, they pay out these days. Right, yeah. <laughs> they just hear it, they just smell lawsuits, like, money, just give oh, up. Oh, just, no, yeah. look. We right. can do anything. The Besties podcast can be found at polygon.com and Justin and Griffin also do a show with their brother Travis called My Brother, My Brother and Me. The message from Dan Bunton, it turns out, came from a website called The Cutting Room Floor, tcrf.net, with a whole bunch of little articles about material that's in games that never made it into the final product or, or hidden stuff and it's just really interesting you can find more episodes of this podcast at keithcourage.com and thank you for listening